Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 59. In this episode, we're going to compare two very interesting political platforms. Indeed, this episode is really a call to action for Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, and conservatives, especially Catholics of those political affiliations who actually believe in and support the moral teachings of the Catholic Church. Can you see yourself making converts? Very few books have ever been written to teach the mechanics of practical Catholic evangelization, something all Catholics are obliged to do. Of the books available, none teach you a step-by-step method for actually cultivating an inquirer, then taking that inquirer all the way to the baptismal font. Until now, nobody is more qualified to teach Catholic evangelization than Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Joe Sixpack has made hundreds of converts since 1988 in small group and one-on-one venues, and 84 of them are his adult godchildren. Consequently, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is a virtual treasure trove of how-to resources for evangelization. In the Lay Evangelist's Handbook, Joe Sixpack will show you how to become one of God's rock stars of evangelization, what the two primary obligations are for all Catholics that most people don't know how to begin the journey to becoming a saint, the actual mechanics of productive evangelization, the dangers of nice Catholicism, how to hear God laugh, what to do step-by-step to win over a convert, and much, much more. Get your copy of the Lay Evangelist's Handbook by Joe Sixpack, The Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. I want to read 10 statements from official documents, both online and hard copy, for your consideration. Then we'll discuss the positions. 1. Our philosophy supports the strict separation of church and state rather than a competing morass of religious pluralism. 2. We sanction any fetish or deviation which will enhance your sex life so long as it involves no one who does not wish to be involved. 3. The struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. 4. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. 5. If churches were taxed for all their income and property, the national debt would be wiped out as quickly. 6. Consistent with our tenets, which call for bodily autonomy and acting in accordance with best scientific evidence, we object to many of the restrictions that states have enacted that interfere with abortion access. 7. We fully accept all forms of human sexual expression between consenting adults. 8. We support the legalization of gay marriage. 9. We have supported transgenderism since 1966. 10. Homosexuality is promoted as the norm in society, not the exception. 
Who do you think these statements come from? Democrats are very public and aggressively assertive in the promotion of these 10 statements, so they sound like they came from the Democratic Party, don't they? Well, if you think they're from the Democratic Party platform, think again. All 10 of the statements I just read to you aren't from the Democratic Party platform, but rather from various satanic religions and their adherents. Groups such as the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple have made the 10 statements I just read, and many of them were made before the Democratic Party ever embraced these ideologies. Let's think about this logically for a moment. Hmm, I'm a Catholic. I believe in God and his Catholic Church, as well as Satan being his enemy. I'm also a pro-life Democrat. However, the Democratic Party stands for abortion, homosexuality, and transgenderism, and a host of other things the Catholic Church condemns as sinful against God and destructive to society. And I just found out from Joe Sixpack that Satanists support the same things as the Democratic Party, some of them long before the party did. What should I do? I know. I'll just be a hypocrite and continue to vote Democrat so I can take a grease slide to hell. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. The bottom line here, one that all but a small handful of bishops are too cowardly to tell you, is that it's a mortal sin to vote Democrat. Period. That's not an opinion, but a fact. I don't care if you're voting for a Democrat who's running for a small village town council or the President of the United States. When you vote Democrat, you're voting to support their satanic agenda. The more elections they win, the more they're emboldened. Our responsibility as Catholics is to fight evil, not embolden it. Okay, I hear some of you saying that the church is behind the times on things like homosexuality and transgenderism. Fine, let's talk about that. God is perfect. If a thing is perfect, it can't change. Change means the thing thought to be perfect wasn't perfect in the first place. If you graduated college in the last 30 years, you probably disagree with that, but most modern post-secondary degrees have made us dumber anyway and not wiser. After all, modern college grads deny science in their own eyes when it comes to gender for crying out loud. Dumb old St. Paul wrote in Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Because Jesus is God, and because he's perfect and can't change, none of his laws can change either. If he changed his laws, that'd mean he was never perfect. All the way back to Genesis, God has condemned and punished homosexuality. But let's do something most Christians aren't willing to do. Let's remove God from the discussion altogether just to please those who choose not to believe in him. Bear with me here, six-packers. I've got to dumb this down a bit for poor little old pointy-headed Democrats. There aren't just divine laws or legislated laws. There are also laws in science and mathematics, which when grouped together are part of what's known as natural law. You know, things like the laws of thermodynamics and the laws of physics. These things are called laws because they're not theories, they're provable. That's why they're called laws instead of theories. Yet some liberals try to deny even these laws today. Some are now claiming that when you add one to any integer, you don't necessarily get the next higher integer, but rather whatever you want it to be. 
Some deny the earth is round, which is why there's still a flat earth society. Many want to claim that gender is a matter of self-identification, rather than something dictated by DNA. There are even those who deny the law of gravity, but all these foolish denials can result in some pretty tragic consequences. Subjective emotion and opinion is never a substitute for objective reality. The definition of truth is when the mind conforms to reality. Let me demonstrate my point. If you stand on top of a 40-story building and shout, I don't believe in gravity, then leap off that 40-story building, you'll make an objective discovery. You can shout, I don't believe in gravity, all the way to the ground. Your silly subjective belief that gravity doesn't exist in no way changes the reality that it does. At some point between the time you take your leap and splatter yourself on the sidewalk below, your mind will conform to reality. Now, if you're not a six-packer, I can understand that this has been a little taxing on your brain, so I apologize for what's coming next, because it's a little bit harder. Now we're going to deal with human biology. Contrary to current liberal beliefs, humans are born one gender or the other, male and female. The biological reality is that we come into the world as two sexes to propagate the human species. That's a law of nature. Therefore, any sexual activity that isn't open to the possibility of procreating human life violates natural law. That makes homosexual activity an evil crime, an abomination against humanity. Before I continue, let me first state that being homosexual isn't a crime against humanity, but only the activity is. Being homosexual is most certainly a privation a disorder of nature, but in and of itself it doesn't violate natural law. Any sexual activity that isn't open to the possibility of procreating life is wrong. This means that oral sex, anal sex, masturbation, and even contraception are all equally a perversion of nature. And be assured that perversions of nature have consequences for all of nature. Does homosexual activity produce progeny? No. Does any sexual activity outside of vaginal sex between heterosexual couples produce progeny? No. Does contraception allow for the production of progeny? No. Some listeners are crying and whining right now that the sex they engage in and whether they produce children is nobody's business. They say they have to have sex, that it's a necessity to all humans, and they want it any way another consenting adult is willing to do it. We've contracepted for so long now, and normalized homosexuality for so many decades, that we don't produce nearly enough children to replenish the population, much less produce enough children to care for an aging population. This is a consequence of violating natural law. Why the hell do you think we have more jobs now than people to fill them? This means that your sexual activities and proclivities are indeed everybody else's business. Furthermore, sex isn't a need, but rather a desire, either normal or perverted. And yes, any sexual activity apart from that which is in harmony with natural law makes the practitioner a pervert. That's what someone who indulges in perversion is called, a pervert. Will you die if you don't have food? Yes, so sustenance is needed. Will you die without water? 
Yes, so hydration is needed. Will you die if you're constantly exposed to the elements? Yes, so some form of shelter is needed. Will you die without sex? Some of you may think so, but there's not one single documented case in all of human history where somebody died from a lack of sex. Sex is not needed. Then there are the same tired old arguments from Catholics who prefer the evil of contraception. Some say there's nothing in the Bible about contraception. Others say the church didn't even teach against contraception until 1968, which was the year Pope Paul VI wrote Humanae Vitae. Well, Catholics who try to justify their contraception with those two lame arguments are wrong, as usual. The Bible does indeed show us God's displeasure when people attempt to block the generation of life. Just take a few minutes to read the first eight verses of the 38th chapter of Genesis. You'll read what happened to a guy named Onan when he tried to avoid having a child by Tamar, and it ain't nothing nice. The church did indeed teach against contraception prior to 1968. In fact, she's condemned the practices of contraception and abortion from the very beginning. Have you ever heard of a document called the Didache? The English title is The Teaching of the Twelve. To the best of our knowledge, it was the very first catechism ever written. The hierarchy of the church wanted to synthesize the apostles' teachings into a document before the last apostle, John, died. So it was written near the end of the first century. I've read the Didache. It very specifically condemns contraception, abortion, and homosexuality. Times may change, but God and his teachings never do. So no Catholic listening to this episode has an excuse or is able to honestly justify support for or engaging in contraception, abortion, and homosexuality. It's sad that I feel the need to explain these things, especially to Catholics, six-packers excluded, of course. That your Catholic implies a belief in God, as we've already seen, the perversions I've talked about conform perfectly with the Democratic Party platform, and that party's platform conforms perfectly with Satanism. Do you really want to account to God at the end of your life, which could happen before you finish listening to this podcast, for practicing Satanism and supporting an evil political party while claiming to be a Catholic? Good luck with that. What did Billy D. Williams the celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross. Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity. How the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. 
Hats off to the daily caller. MSNBC, or as I like to call it, MSLSD, anchor Katie Turr was forced to maintain her smile after stumbling across a President Donald Trump supporter who began to trash Senator Bernie Sanders on live television. The man said, The whole ideology would be destructive to the country. Turr tried to maintain her smile during this rant. It's anti-growth, anti-family, it's anti-American, and as a Roman Catholic, it's anti-life. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number four. Hats off to LifeSite News. In a sensitively worded but thoroughly grounded in truth pastoral guide regarding the handling of gender identity issues in his diocese, Bishop Thomas Paprocki declared unequivocally, A person cannot change his or her gender and should accept and seek to live in conformity with his or her sexual identity as determined at birth. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number three. Hats off to Axios. An analysis of new census data revealed that there are 1.1 million fewer children living in the U.S. today than there were a decade ago. William Fry of the Brookings Institution said, This isn't the first decade of child population decline, but it ushers in a period when adult growth will continue to dwarf child growth as the population ages and proportionately fewer women are in their childbearing years. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number two. Hats off to LifeSite News. A Christian mom loses her court case against a school that forced an indigenous smudging ritual on kids. The school required children to participate in a pagan smudging ceremony whereby smoke from burning sage was fanned over the classroom, furniture, and space occupied by children. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to LifeSite News. In a renewed and enthusiastic endorsement of globalism in 2020, Pope Francis repeated his call for international and religious leaders to sign a global education pact in May at the Vatican, saying it is all the more urgent in the light of the sexual abuse crisis. I don't have any idea what that means. The Pope is pushing hard for a one-world government. Still think I'm wrong about the apocalypse being near? You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary. Everybody seems to be all up in arms about the federal government doing something about health care. If you ask me, that's like suicide. Eating a gun barrel is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I'm not kidding. Government bureaucracies can't even run the DMV. How on earth can we expect them to run our health care? I don't know about you, but I don't want some faceless, mindless bureaucrat making decisions about my health care. Besides, the whole reason there's a problem with health care costs in the first place is because the government caused it. And now they expect us to allow them to try to fix it? 
A lot of people accused of being alarmists have said they're against any form of government-controlled health care because they fear a government system will decide who lives and dies. Critics of these people say they're just overreacting or that they're conspiracy theorists. Well, I guess I'm one of those overreacting conspiracy nuts. Spain, which used to be one of the most pro-life countries in the world until leftists there started the nation down the slippery slope of abortion about 20 years ago, has discovered that they can't afford the high cost of socialized medicine. How are they remedying the problem? Well, it just became law there to allow doctors to kill seriously ill patients in order to cut costs. I'm not talking about physician-assisted suicide. They already have that. I'm talking about the blatant medical murder of patients who are costing the government too much money. And Spain isn't alone. The same thing is quietly being done in Belgium, Canada, Colombia, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, and in the state of Victoria in Australia. Those who think I'm overreacting might say, Come on, Joe, this is America. Americans don't kill Americans. Oh, really? The greatest national shame in American history is that we've been murdering babies with abandon since 1973, and now the demonic Democrats want to expand that to post-birth infanticide, attempting to dress it up by calling it post-birth abortion. And nine states have physician-assisted suicide. How big a leap do you think it'll be to start killing the elderly and those with serious illnesses? Healthcare costs motivate governments to murder their own citizens. They seem to think murder is a solution for out-of-control costs. Healthcare is just like anything else. Costs escalate so the average American can't afford it, but it's the government that causes the escalation. Do you want to control costs? Then let the free market do it and get government out of the healthcare industry altogether. I bet you didn't realize the government already controls your health care, did you? Government regulates doctors, hospitals, and periphery medical services so much that it's skyrocketed costs to astronomical levels with such regulatory tyranny as the HIPAA law. HIPAA was and is touted as a pro-patient law, but it's really just another step from the left to take away your health care freedoms. HIPAA was touted as a law to protect your medical privacy, but it actually takes it away. Did you know that any doctor or healthcare facility that accepts Medicare or Medicaid has to leave their computer systems on 24-7 so the government can look into those computers anytime it wants? And the government isn't just looking at the health records of Medicare and Medicaid patients. Oh, no, they can't be trusted to do that. They're looking at all of them. So your health care privacy is protected from everyone, except Big Brother, the federal government. We got Medicare and Medicaid in the 60s under President Lyndon Johnson. That was the first step towards socialized medicine 54 years ago. That opened the door for the government to begin meddling in our health care. And now the regulatory state oppresses the industry to the point that there's almost no wiggle room for doctors to give their patients the best care they can. Evidence for governmental interference that you can actually see you'll discover if you have a child that you take to the doctor. The doctor's office is bound by federal regulation to ask you if you own guns, where you keep them, and whether they're secured. 
What the hell has that got to do with your child's health care? Medicare, Medicaid, and government interference in health care is nowhere authorized in the Constitution. But they get away with it because they count on our ignorance of the Constitution and our stupidity. Well, the left is beginning to learn we're not so stupid. We're the reason there's been so much turmoil in the government since Trump was elected. The petulant children in the demonic Democratic Party hate us and have nothing but contempt for us because we put the skids on their plans by electing a man who fights for us, we the people. I must admit that the demonic Democrats are right about one thing, though. The vast majority of us are as ignorant as a box of rocks about the Constitution. That's curable, though, by reading and understanding the Constitution. You can supplement your knowledge by reading books by great originalist constitutional scholars such as Mark Levin, Clarence Thomas, Randy Bennett, and Alan Dershowitz. Most of all, read the Federalist Papers and the writings of our founding fathers and framers of the Constitution. Regarding health care and what the Catholic Church officially teaches us about that, the Church says that we alone have to make decisions about our health care, and those decisions must be made on the basis of a well-formed conscience. In other words, we have to make our decisions based on the Church's teachings about life. This means that abortion, contraception, physician-assisted suicide, and euthanasia are out of the question. A classic example of what's not accepted is the Terry Schiavo case, where doctors cruelly withheld hydration until she died. The church's teachings also mean we can't abrogate our decision-making to a government entity, which is what socialized medicine will do. Despite that, the USCCB fully endorses socialized medicine. In fact, they're on board with almost everything the demonic Democratic Party promotes. The USCCB bureaucracy even timidly supports the LGBT agenda, population control, and open borders policies that will destroy our national sovereignty, despite the official teachings of the Church. The USCCB and the Demonic Democratic Party have slept in the same bed together for decades. Please don't be confused. The USCCB bureaucracy and the individual bishops are two separate things. We have a handful of very good bishops in America who realize they're shepherds and not greaseball politicians or corporate CEOs. But the USCCB bureaucracy couldn't get away with its abominations before Almighty God if a majority of our bishops weren't demonic Democrats. America and the Catholic Church are at an historic crossroads. We've never faced the dangerous and destructive challenges we're facing today. Catholics who are members of the church on earth are called the church militant, and were called that for a reason. It's not just the responsibility of bishops and priests to boldly proclaim Christ and his teachings. It's our responsibility, too. That means loudly and aggressively proclaiming them as both faithful Catholics and patriotic Americans. Both the church and America are in the bad shape they're in because you and I sat by and passively allowed the bad things to happen. Sure, we've all griped about it, shook our heads in disgust, but what have we actually done? I don't know about you, but I'm not looking forward to facing God when he asked me why I did little or nothing. 
Consequently, I've begun doing all I can. I write bishops, the USCCB, Rome, and members of both houses of Congress. I have this podcast, write books, and try to get into as many parishes as I can with the bulletin inserts. I host webinars every week. I write articles, comment on forums, and do everything my handicaps allow. I'm trying to make up for years of doing nothing except being critical without actions behind the criticism. What are you doing? Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a Holy Orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, The Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. A Polish noblewoman, Catherine Jagielonka, was the wife of Prince John Waza of Sweden in the 17th century. Prince John was imprisoned for life by his brother, King Eric. When Catherine heard about this, she hurried to Stockholm. Your Highness, put me in prison with my husband, she pleaded. The king replied, but don't you know that your husband will never see the sun again? I know this well, Your Highness, but whether he is guilty or innocent, John Waza will always be my husband. The king eyed her with pity. It seems to me, dear lady, that from the moment your husband began serving his sentence, your obligation to him ceased. Catherine took the wedding ring from her finger and handed it to the king. Would your highness please read the inscription? The king read, Mors Sola, which means death alone. Catherine spent 17 years in prison with her husband. Only after King Eric's death were she and Prince John freed. Only death can really dissolve a marriage. Jesus said, What God has joined, let no man put asunder. Catherine was conscious of the fact that her obligations to her husband lasted as long as he was alive, even though they demanded the greatest sacrifices, even imprisonment in this case. Married couples today take their obligations and commitment far too lightly. 
Half of modern marriages end in divorce, and that makes the divine sacrament of matrimony out to be unimportant at best and a lie at worst. That's it for this episode, Six Packers. Be sure to come back and listen to next week's episode. If you like The Cantankerous Catholic, be sure to write a review wherever you download it so other like-minded Catholics can more easily find it. And be sure to visit my show notes to get links to other things relevant to this episode. As long as you're on the show notes, drop a comment at the bottom to let me know what you think of this episode or to suggest topics for future episodes. If you happen to be on cantankerouscatholic.com for the show notes, download a free copy of The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It, Volume 1, and visit the Joe's Stuff page to get copies of my other books and some really neat coffee mugs. I think you six-packers are the cream of the Catholic crop, and I really appreciate you listening. Just remember, though, comfort and conviction don't live on the same This block. has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.